What's up, everybody? You're listening to Out of the Box Podcast with your host, D-Star. Enjoy the show! What's up, everybody? This is your host, D-Star, here with... Stacy Clay, a.k.a. Scatter. Yes, sir. Um, So, for those that don't know you, can you give us a little bit of uh, information about yourself? Oh, yeah. I'm Stacy Clay. You know, I'm a certified peer specialist. I work at Anesis Therapy, a crisis management, and other things uh, with individuals, you know, teaching them skills or teaching them you know, certain things. I use I statements to be assertive or whatever. So can you tell us a little bit about Anesis? Uh, Anesis Therapy is uh, is an all-black therapy that's uh, catering to the benefit of colored people, like not just blacks, but colors like Native Americans, anybody that's in need of therapy or help or feel like they've been in the system been marginalized or been invisible, haven't really been seen and, you know, feel like they haven't been treated appropriately. So they want to come there where they feel like they have a connection to the people, their roots, who they are, people that understand them and best can fit their needs to service their needs. So it's one of the only minority therapist places in Madison. Madison. Absolutely. So how did you get hooked up with them? Actually, I got hooked up there because my wife worked there. So my wife, she's a social worker there, you know, and she just, um, matter of fact, she just went and got her license. So, and uh, she told me about uh, a job there based on a lot of things I was doing, working, uh, my interests and the things I had with doing with young people. And she thought it'd be a good idea if I link up or put in an application to get a job there. So I just put in an application and uh, they gave me an interview and voila. Voila. Yeah, voila. <laughs> so um, let's break it down. This podcast is about, you know, helping formerly incarcerated people and incarcerated people right now. Can you give us a little bit of insight about your life and the obstacles that you've overcame and kind of give us a little bit about, you know, your story and how you became the man that you are right now? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I grew up in Milwaukee, you know, the main, main streets of Milwaukee. I, was, I started off in area code 53206 and then you know, went from there, you know, but I, I, been, I was all around the city or whatever, but Starting off early on, you know, I had some issues. You know, I was molested as a kid. And that wow. led to some issues. I was bullied as a kid, you know. So I grew up in a tough neighborhood. So I had to learn how to fight, how to be tough. But it was hard to do that because I had my mother's heart, you know. So I was able to feel things. And so it took a different trajectory. But when I got in the streets and got to hanging out with friends, got to do alcohol and drugs. And, you know, because of my abuse and all the things that happened to me, I ended up joining the gang. And, and all these things led me to detention centers, children's center, wells, you know, ultimately prison for 28 years. Can you share with us a little bit about the circumstances that led you to prison? I was out doing drugs. I was hooked on drugs. I was addicted to drugs. At this point, I was homeless. And you know, I really didn't have a place to stay and all that kind of stuff. So... I was out in the streets doing drugs and um, I came back one day and um, I was staying with you know some people and I came back one day and they were up upset, mad at me, whatever. So we get into it and they tried to stab me. Well, they pulled two butcher knives on me to stab me. And because I was tweaking and I was under the influence of, you know, cocaine, rock cocaine, especially, you know, I just flipped out and grabbed a knife and stabbed them and killed them. As a result of that, I ended up going you, to prison for 28 years. Right. 28 you know, years. Yeah, and I pretty and much turned myself in and did that because I knew that was wrong. I wanted to do the right thing. Plus, I was in a place where I wasn't raised like that. So so I turned myself in and went to prison and, uh, you know, did 25 years in prison. So what was some of the obstacles that you had to overcome in prison? And what are some of the things that you've learned? Well, the obstacles I had to overcome is that I had to get to learn myself. I had to get to dome myself. I had to uh, stop blaming other people for me being there. You know, I had to look at myself and what I was doing and what got me there. And I had to think about where I was going to go. Because when I first got there, I blamed everybody. I blamed my mama. I blamed the system. I blamed racism. I blamed my daddy for not being there. I blamed, you know. So it wasn't until I got the realization later on that, you know, choices have consequences because of uh, a series of decisions that I made that led me to this place. You get to prison. 
first day, kind of take me through the mind state. You know, what? how old were you? I just turned 21. Oh, wow. So, and I got sentenced to 25 to life. So, my first day, I was tweaking and tripping. I couldn't even believe that I was in prison. You know, that was, I wasn't, I would have never thought my whole life as a kid that that would be my destination. But I was there around all kinds of people. So, it was a very new experience for me. I would, I, no, I would never say I wasn't scared because I'd be alive. I'd say I wasn't scared. Absolutely. I was scared. I was apprehensive. I was nervous. I had a little anxiety, but I paid attention. You know, and I learn quick. You know, I got a lot of information from people. I see what happened to other people. I know what to do, what not to do, how to move, how to navigate. So, so yeah, I got really good at that. So we were talking behind the scenes a little bit, and you told me an interesting story where you said you were actually there when Jeffrey Dahmer was murdered in Portage. Well, yeah, I was at Portage. Uh, I was on a school unit. I was on unit two. That was in uh, November 28, 1994. Yeah, wow. I remember that. It was a Monday. Matter of fact, I still remember it. And I was going to school, and uh, we went to school, and I was in class, and they told us that we had to go back. They told us it was a fog alert, and so because it was too much fog and it was security for the fence, so we were going back to the units under the impression that was a fog alert. But when we got into the cell, I was sitting in the cell, and back then, you know, every everybody used to watch Jenny Jones or you watch Ricky Lake or whatever on TV, you know, and you look at you in jail, so you looking for females, you looking at right. the, you looking at the girls, you try to watch for that, so. And a news flash came on that Jeffrey Dahmer and Jesse Anderson just got attacked at the prison and more at 12. So right away, I heard a banged on the wall tell my neighbor, like, Joe, you see that on the thing, man? He's like, what you talking about, man? We ain't coming back out the cell. We locked down. Man, I just seen. And they was like, what? So everybody got to get on the channel looking. You know what I'm saying? They was like, oh, man. You know, so, yeah, that's how it, that's how it went down. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you're 28 years in prison. What are some of the most impactful lessons that you would say that you learned? You know, and just uh, because people come from you and they look like you, don't mean that they fight you. And those that's not ain't always against you. You know, so you have to learn that because sometimes people think because you look like me, you come from where I come from, you identify me, I can trust you. But that's not always the case. You know, everybody that look like you ain't against you because so I had to learn that. Then I had to learn things about different nationalities and I learned how to structure and how people move and ideologies and beliefs and how people think. And so once I tapped into that, I understood how to navigate and how to move. But I also understood how to help people then because I was able to see where they were weak at and the areas of where they were strong at. So did you do any of the kind of the work that you do now while you were in prison? Yeah, when I was in prison, um, I was doing domestic violence. I was an inmate. Well, I was a tutor. We call them tutors there. But I, sometimes I facilitated the groups. I did the same thing for anger management. Um, oh, wow. You were actually a facilitator? Yeah, inmate facilitator. Yeah, sometimes wow. I ran the group, you know, myself. Because I obviously wanted, I wanted to see people that looked like me. I wanted them to see. Because when we first got in prison, they was like, man, you got to be a white boy to get this job. Mm-hmm. They only get these kind of jobs, a white boy. They will never get a job to a brother. So now they get a job to a brother and I'm there and I'm in there. So I want you to see what that looked like. Because if I can do that and you can see this as a success, then this is something that you can ascend to and try to attain to navigate. The and where was this and when was this? We was in New Lisbon and this was like 2009. Wow. Yeah. In New Lisbon. Yeah, and I had that job for three years, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a long time. So do you feel like everything that happened while you were in prison, like all of the work that you've done, prepared you for the job that you have now? In many ways, but I never saw myself doing this work on the outside. Really? No, because I just didn't, because of my crime, my history, my level of education, where I come from, my area, I just didn't think that I had enough credentials or that it would be a a place for me to do that. So 
which is so great about peer specialists or being a peer specialist because it's really about your lived experience. You don't have to have a master degree. Well, that is your master degree, really, technically. Oh, yeah. You know, all the things that you've been through and you got all these people that's going through these things now. You, Who better to be able to sit, to adhere, to listen to, to understand, to Somebody empathize with and support, right. And why don't you share with our listeners today, you got some really good news today. Why don't you share with our listeners what that was? Today I just got the news because um, being a certified peer specialist, what I found out is that even though I was out of prison, I did my time and I served my time and I did all these other things and had accolades that I was trying to work with a certain uh, segment of clients, uh, group of clients. And um, I had to go through the uh, go uh, in front of a board of rehabilitation to um to get permission to uh, give services to these clients. And so today I just got approved and got okay to give services. And that's yeah. it. Hey, <laughs> that made me smile. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that made me smile, man. That's yeah. serious, man. Yeah. That's that's just, Absolutely. man, to just give, I, I know it's going to give hope to so many people. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like, yes, you did something, you made a mistake. Right. You know what I mean? You weren't, you know, you're not running from that, you right. know, but you came back from that right absolutely because i tell people you know the, the you know when you start your life is a story right it's a book and you know the beginning might start out a little shaky but you always have the ability to rewrite the ending because you can you you determine you know how the how the story is going to end yeah, you're going to make some bumps in the road it's going to be some things but you're going to find your way sometimes because you know, you're out of alignment but once you get back in alignment and get back in alignment with your purpose and what you've been called to do then it's all going to take the rest going to take care of itself. Do you feel like this is something that you was called to do? Absolutely. Innately is who I am. I was counseling inmates, um, you know, because a lot of people want to go off a lot of days and do a lot of crazy stuff. And I had to talk them down, you know, talking to kids, talk. And it's just something because I understand, I've been where they've been at. I understand. I understand what it's like to be invisible. I understand what it's like to feel hopeless. I understand what it's like to feel powerless, to feel weak, to, to want to commit suicide, to feel like life because I've tried to commit suicide before when I was a kid and an adult, you know, wow. to feel like, you know, like, man, you'd be better off gone than because what you're contributing now is nothing. All you're doing is causing pain and hurting misery to everybody else. So I understand what it's like. They don't love you and care. They won't even miss you. So that's self-talk and having those thoughts. I had that dialogue with myself. I've been homeless. I've been penniless. I've been broke. I've been up too. I've had a lot, but I've been down. I've been where when you so so low where nowhere don't want you. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So. You know that's low when you're already nowhere and nowhere don't want you, you know. So I understand. So when I see them, I don't see, you know, what they've done or their condition. I see what what they can become. And I want to learn how they got there and I we want to change the trajectory of that. And that's by healing the hurt, you know. So and that's what we have to do. We got to heal the hurt. Because right now doing substances and all that kind of stuff is just putting a band-aid over the wound. But we got to we got to deal with the infection with the wound. We got to heal that, and then you'll no longer need all those other things. This is one of the questions that I like to ask. Sometimes when we go to prison, uh, our kids get to acting up, right? Uh, our baby mamas fall off, right? Or our wife fall off, or right. our girlfriend fall off, right? Or we hear bad news and saying, "Hey, your son is acting up, or your daughter is acting up," right? When it comes to co-parenting or having a relationship in prison. How can one best navigate that situation? Uh, I think for me, I think it's just really understanding where you are and and, and the dynamics. You know, uh, I don't have kids personally, but I'm married, so I have stepchildren. Right. But um, she's there. So because she's there and she's the primary caregiver, then she's basically uh, the person making all the rules and, and doing everything. It's my job to just support her and to encourage her and to believe in her. 
whatever she do. Now, when I come back, we can have a conversation and then we can sit down and we can all come together and we can, you know, tweak that. But until then, because you out there, you out of alignment, Mm -hmm. you operating in the role of a male and a mother, you know what I'm saying? Like a dad and a mom. And that's not really your, you out of alignment. Right. So that's not really you. And it's not for me to frustrate you more by saying you doing this, you doing that. You ain't talk to me. You should do this. I want them to have this or have that when I'm not there. I'm trying to have control of something. I have to live in here. Because if I try to live a double life, then my time get hard. So I can't do that. I got to let you do you. It was a reason why I picked you and chose you to have my kids with. Right. So I had to believe that. What about are, the ones that didn't choose that? Well, that's some. That's some. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but that's something different. But, you but know, I understand that. But I want right. to. I want to stay on that because it's the traditional way of people meeting, marrying, and having kids. Um. That's not the way that things are done a lot, like predominantly right now. So it's a lot of people that's locked up right now that got a baby mama, got kids with a woman, but not necessarily that she's not their wife. Right, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Or you're a step parent. Right. You know, so that's what I want to kind of like focus on that a little bit more too, because it's like those people need representation and those people need advice too. You know what I mean? So it's like, what would you say about that? Well, from the, from the inmate perspective, I would tell the guy, you know, you in prison, man. The situation is what it is. The fact that this person in your life believes in you, supports you, encourages you, and is coming and driving all these little woods and stuff to see you, then don't get on the visit and start making them mad and doing all this stuff and turning away, man, because you got to appreciate this a woman, man. And she, again, out of alignment. She's doing and she's making sure you straight and she's taking care of her business. So support that, uplift her, encourage her, support her. You know, I, I, you know that's that's what I would say. But if the problems with kids arise, again, there's nothing you can do because I know some women didn't want their kids to come to prison. Like I got a sister. She wouldn't let my nephews come to prison to visit me because first she didn't want to encourage that prison was something popular or fashionable or something that needed to be done. And then she didn't want them to be traumatized or re-traumatized every time they came into prison, slamming the doors, the police, the guards, and they started feeling some type of way about the police and all kind of, they started feeling like they was locked up, you know. And then when some of your visitors come in, they got on underwire bras, they make them strip, take the bras out, they start treating them like they locked up. So that's a hindrance to, so I just think we have to understand that, you know, what they going through because they, they're being treated a certain type of way. But also I think that you have to understand that, man, you know, um, being a parent, you know, you have to respect and be open to you know, the wishes of the other parent, you know, because in prison, and then we, if they bring them there to see you, then you sit down and talk to them, you can do what you can, but you only can do so much from prison. But the most important thing is try to have contact, contact, and surround them with grandmothers and uncles and everybody else that you know to keep them focused because that's going to be your help to keep their attention and keep them on track, you know. Boys is different from girls. I always try to uh, focus kind of on some of the inmates that had just got into prison uh-huh. and really don't know, you right. know what I mean? How things go. Right. Uh, or maybe they think they know, but with right. somebody with your experience, you know what I mean? You can give them a little bit more insight. Right. Um, let's say that, you know, I'm a person that I just got into prison and I'm looking to, you know, find my way. What would be your advice? Uh, my, my advice would be to just, well, it depends on, who you are. I mean, if you're a religious person, then I would go that, that route. You're Muslim. I would go that route, but uh, just really work on yourself, educate yourself, read as much as you can do anything that you can to, to enhance your chances of being successful when you get out because you're there. 
It's like you're in timeout. They got libraries. They got all this book. And then they got a library where if they don't have a book at a library, you can put it in the inner library and get it from the streets or whatever. And you read and just read and educate yourself, especially with financial literacy. Because we as African-American and black people, we don't have no idea about financial literacy. And when you come out, your credit score and all that stuff is going to be very important. And it's going to sit because you know you can't get housing. You can't get anything. Right. And even right now, the way the system is set up, coming out of prison, I know a couple of people that just 30 years, 26 years, they out of prison. They got the money from work release and all that. They will, get, they're willing to pay six months up front, security deposit. They will, won't rent because of, Right, because they don't have a rental history. Yeah. And how can I get a rental history if you don't ever give me a chance? Exactly. And so these are the things they need to be focused on while they're in there. Because when you first go to prison, the first thing you need to be focused on is when you get out. Reentry. So, so, right. So everything that you're Anderson doing. We just had Cooper um, on the pod, and he said um, reentry starts the day that you get into prison. It doesn't start six months before you get out, it starts that day. Absolutely. You need to be planning. You need to be bettering yourself uh, for when you get out. Absolutely. You know? And I uh, read that in the book by uh, this brother called Demikio Booth. And he was another brother that ended up getting caught up in the situation. He got a book out, two books, you know, getting out, stand out, and uh, why so many black men are in prison, you know. So, um, and I read those books. And that's one of the things that he said when he got out, he got his cleaning services, got out. Yeah, that's where I got that from. So I would I would encourage anybody that's listening if you ever find that book and watch so many black men in prison read it it's, re, it's very you know educational uh, it's going to give you a lot of information that you need it's going to tell you how to crack academic came you know select Zen or two but this is going to really break a lot of stuff down for you it's going to show you how easy it is to get caught up what can someone do to help a friend or family member while they're still incarcerated because a lot of times we feel powerless you know what I mean like we hear these situations and you know we. We just feel like, like what is going on? You know what I mean? Like you just feel hopeless, powerless. You just feel like you can't do anything to help. You know what I mean? Like, so with all of that experience that you have, what can one do to feel like they can help? It's all about connections and it's about staying connected because you got to be connected to something. So, you know, like for me, um, getting a letter some days was like going on a visit. Right, And then I looked forward to a visit because the visit was my only way to get out the joint. I couldn't oh, yeah. be free. But when I got on the visit for these two hours, these three hours, man, I wasn't locked up. I was free. And I was with my little nieces, nephews, my sister, my mother, whoever. And we were talking about whatever, you know. And I, and for that moment, I wasn't an inmate. I wasn't a convict. I wasn't, you know, anything. So I just think families got to keep their connections, you know, and they got to support each other and love each other through everything. Because love is love. And at the end of the day, it's all about love. And some people think that means send me canteen, send me money, do this, do that, and always try to. No, that don't mean that because, you know, it means that, you know, uh, these people are there for you to help you in your process to get better. And if you, like my wife, she sent me all kind of information on different things, books or whatever. So I was able to read and get information from the inside on a lot of different. So if sometimes you can't send money, just send them something to read, something positive, something encouraging, get them a postcard, yeah, anything. business plans, put your money, send them books. They sent me books. So I was reading books, you know, they were doing, do all that kind of stuff because now they were investing, uh, uh, in my, in my ability to my, my growth, my process, you know? So, and those were the things that helped me along with the business and all those other things. So you and your wife were together while you were in prison, correct? Yeah, towards the end. Yeah. Okay. When I, when I well, it doesn't matter, right, right. but y'all were together while you were in prison. Absolutely. So Absolutely. That means I got married you- in prison. Oh, wow. Let's talk about relationships. Okay. Let's talk about it. You're a married man. I'm a married man. Okay. How do you feel about 
relationships in prison? Well, it depends on who you with. Like, like for example, like I've had a multitude of relationships while I was in prison. I've Let's focus on the younger guys. Okay, right. And so when you when you in prison, um, first timers. Yeah, it's 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 hard if you got a girlfriend. That's what I was going to decipher. Like I was going to uh, explain. Like if you coming in with somebody and your feelings in and your heart in, it's very hard. It's devastating because even cats in there telling y'all, oh, man, you know, dude, out there being your girl, you know, she with Bob, you know this. So and you going in, then you hear slow songs or songs that you guys it's have together. Back memories, yeah, it's making you yeah. sick, you depressed, you sleep all the time, you're selling mad because you don't never go out the room, but you you going, you feel it, and you going through somebody else with you. Then you go look on the mail list, your name on the list, you ain't getting no mail. You go put the phone in, doo, 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 your number, you yeah. can't, you know. So all that. Factors into everything, you know. What I'm saying? So how would how would you tell them to kind of navigate those feelings or what they should do about that? I know it's hard, you know. Right. It's very difficult. But here's the thing: what you have to do, you have to come to terms with. It's like I just said earlier: you have to understand that when you was out and you was in rotation, you was the man. You was you you was in control. You was able to do all that. The such the, the circumstances have changed. The dynamics have changed. You're not out anymore. You're not the sole primary breadwinner. You're in prison now. She has been empowered. She's in the role of power now. There has been a switch. You think because you in there, you still the same person you is. You're going to be able to run things and you still got this attitude and you feel like somebody owe you or she got to do this, she got to do that. Well, now to her, it feel like a job. Like you don't even appreciate me or whatever. Yeah. This, that, whatever. See, now you, 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 you sabotaging your own relationship. To understand that the dynamics have switched and that now she running stuff and that I'm here and she helping take care of me and I'm grateful for that. That's the best way because now that's going to keep her coming that's to the you. Key. It's going to get her down, cut you up, lifting her, you supporting her, you sending her stuff. You understand that it's not about canteen. And when she do send you some money, you budget your money and you make it last for you and you do what you got to do. You ain't out there trying to show out for your friends, cook meals for everybody else, show you a penitentiary pimp, be on the phone, you know, jacking and doing this, nothing, the third. You know, when you come home, you got to follow up on that. You know what I'm saying? You can't just because it's a lot of cats write a lot of letters and scripts in prison. And then, um, you know, when they get out, they, they bust a move. So, if you had to give a message to the community, uh, to the MA community, uh, what would, what is the message that you want to share? Oh, man, to, to always believe, to always have hope, and to always become and be greater and, and better than what you were before. You know, again, you know, you can start out a little rocky, a little shaky, but, again, you get to rewrite the ending of the script. You get to rewrite the ending of the book. You know, it's like... They told me when I was a group one time, I was a restorative judge. She said, what's your dash going to be? You know, because that little dash between the date you came in the world and the date you leave, what you want it to be, because that's going to encompass your whole life. And what you want your mom to remember you by, because people are going to die. I had a lot of people die on me while I was in there. My grandmother, aunties, everybody, people that I thought I was going to see again, I never got to see. And they never got to, they remember me as a crack addict or somebody was addicted or somebody killed somebody went to prison. And I hated that they had to go to their grave and remember me that way because they didn't get to see me. And the transition now, of me yeah. and now, right, what I was able to come, you know. So I'm just saying, just think of everything that you do. It's people out here that love you, support you, and invest in you. When they send you money, come see you, they invest in you, they believe in you. And everything that you do impacts them. So when you make choices, it's just like throwing a rock in a pond. It has ripple effects. And all those ripple effects are all the people that love you, invest in you, care about you, educators, friends, sisters, women, everybody. And you impacting, you taking them down too. It's, they impacted by the same thing. So you just have to remember that choices are in consequences and that every choice you make is not only affecting you, it's affecting your kids, it's affecting your wife, your baby mama, your mama, everybody. How do you feel? Um, how do you feel about a platform like this? Like how could, how do you think it could have helped you um, when you were 
in prison. I think it could have helped me because it could have just showed me somebody that was once where I was and they changed the trajectory of their life and it just showed me what's possible. Because sometimes, oftentimes when you're in there, you're in darkness and there's so much negative, you're surrounded by so much negativity that you don't see what's possible and you don't have hope and you don't think that certain things possible. You know, but when you start seeing somebody get out and do that, then you have a blueprint, you have a model, you have something to emulate. And you'd be like, man, dude, come from where I come from. And we start, I know this person, then why he capable, then why can't I do that? Why could I be that? So if I apply myself, I always tell people, look, if you put the same amount of time as you did in breaking the rules and doing wrong and doing right, you'd be way more successful with oh, less yeah. stress. Hundred hundred times over. Right, with less stress. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, with less stress and you have uh the fruits of your labor. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. The fruits because um when you when you sow the seeds of 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 doing wrong, right. they will bear fruits. Absolutely. When you sow the seeds of doing right at you know, they they might take a little bit longer to bear, but fruit, it's gonna bear fruit. But they, when those bear fruit, it's a, it's a different exactly. type of fruit. It's that much exactly. sweeter. So yeah, yeah, you're 100 right. You're 100 exactly. right. Yeah, so, so that's why I encourage you to do that because relationships are important. And, and 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 also I would encourage people to be a team player because when I got in prison, you know, I was working in the kitchen. You're part of a team, and and when I was in working with groups, you're part of a team. And so I realized that life. No matter where you at, what you do in life, you're part of a team. You work in a bank, you're part of a team. You play basketball, you're part of a team. So be a team player. At at your house. Right. You're part of your family because you got to take garbage. Everybody got chores. Everybody got responsibility. Everybody. Right. So so embrace the concept of team concept and operate and navigate. You know what I'm saying? And be as a team. I don't mind being part of a team, especially if I'm on a really good team because I'm around good people and I'm around people that I'm learning and I'm growing from. And everybody ain't got to be the store. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. Everybody got a position to play, right? Exactly. You know, exactly. And yeah. and, and I, I might be the water boy, right? But I you do the be, but you but you the water boy so good. We, we yeah. can't we can't find another water boy yeah. better than you. So that's your thing. So that's okay. Some 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 people was meant to play the coach. Some right. people was meant to play the assistant. Exactly. Some people was meant to play the point. Exactly. You know. You know? Yeah, you're hundred so percent right. You just have to play your role. Just be yeah. part of the team, and then we gonna get there. And just know that. Success is just a serious, and Van Gogh said this, so this is not my thing. This is Van Gogh, but success is just a series of little things coming together. Mm. So just, man, pace yourself. Start slow and build. It's all about building. Have a strong foundation to build. Well, Stacy, man, really, from uh, everybody here out of the box, man, I really want to uh, thank you, and I really appreciate you coming to the podcast and telling your story, man, seriously. All right, absolutely, man. Thank you for having me, man. I want to give shout-outs to all the brothers behind the bars, all those that are struggling with mental health or with issues, and I want to give a shout-out to Tate, you know, because it wasn't for that brother, man. Brothers like me couldn't be out doing what I'm doing, living how I'm living and modeling this behavior. So shout-out to everybody that has something to do with that. It's all love. Seriously, man, respect. I'm D-Star. This is Out of the Box Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Out of the Box Podcast, an inspiring show advocating for our current and former inmates and their families in Wisconsin. Are you interested in starting your own podcast? Click our affiliate link or Buzzsprout for all your podcast hosting needs. You can also support the show by clicking our support link in the description.